This week's episode is sponsored in memory of Joe Burns, who passed away in 2016. Because the devil knows better than anyone that if we do not name sin as sin, it cannot be forgiven. And he wins. The devil wins. That it's that clean and clear. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. As Adam Keery and I read through this text, we asked, what is the name of God that Jesus has revealed? How do you keep God's word? And why is this text so difficult to understand? Luther House of Studies' Sarah Stenson joins the conversation to slow down and take this text verse by verse to really understand what Jesus is saying. Unwinding the text reveals in Jesus' prayer to God that God's word is truth. It's certainty. God does not lie. When you're forgiven in Christ, it happens. God has made his name known in Jesus. In fact, it's his joy to be merciful to his chosen people, to you. Let's get to it. Here's John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. And now on to this week's conversation.
Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you, Mason. Mason, you have a voice for podcasting. Why, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> We've only been doing this for three years. <laughs> So we are in uh, the 17th chapter of John, uh, Sarah. Maybe uh, you can give us a little context because without context, it actually is very confusing what Christ is saying, who's he, who he's speaking yep. to, really. Well, and even with the context, yeah. it can be a little bit confusing. <laughs> sure, of course. Um, he uses no names. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of they, them. Uh, so the context is, this is literally immediately before the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. And so what we're walking in here, starting verse 6, is a prayer uh, Jesus is delivering to God the Father, but it is also in front of the disciples so that they would hear this prayer. So that's mm-hmm. that's crucial as we're going to walk through this text Certainly, it's Jesus talking to God the Father, praying to God the Father, but also for the benefit of those who are listening in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So he starts it out, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me the world. Right. Who you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and Uh they have kept your word. Right. Which... Go ahead, Carrie. No, you're, no, you're I can fine. see the expression on Carrie's face, and it's like, what? What? Because <laughs> it is kind of. I mean, a we're walking in uh, kind of mid conversation here, but also, it's Jesus is the I. So Jesus has made God the Father's name known. That's what he's saying. Remember, he's talking to God the Father. So Jesus is saying, "I've made your name known, God, to those whom you gave me, whom God gave me from the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word." So a couple things, and this is actually going to set the the rest of the text. I have made your name known. What is the name of God that Jesus has revealed? And it's phanero in the Greek, make clear, make visible, make known. So what is that name of God that Jesus has actually now revealed? Mercy. Absolutely. That's it. That's the God, God's name that Jesus' whole mission is actually to deliver and make known. So that mercy is going to frame everything else we're hearing. And so when he says, they have kept your word, this is the end of verse 6, that's tereo. We're going to see that word a few times, or forms of that word a few times in this text. Certainly you can translate as kept or keeping, but it also means watch over, guard, and preserve. So it's not, people are going to, tend to hear that keeping your word as obedience in the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really not what what Jesus is getting at there. Watch over, guard, preserve. That's and then again your word. So verse 6, even though it seems confusing and kind of like blah blah blah, moving on, it's actually huge key to framing the rest of the verses. Hmm. And it's interesting, I, before jumping ahead, yep. like just really slowly reading this, and I think this is going to be the case all the way through, Yeah, just understanding the gravity of what Jesus is actually saying to yeah. God here. They were yours. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to gloss over. Nope. They were yours. God, like the, the, the disciples, the people that us today, I mean... He's talking about the disciples here. But, but you're right, Mason. They this, were yours. Absolutely. They were elected. They were already gods. Go. And you gave them to me. Mm-hmm. Not they were looking for you. They were seekers. They were, No, 
God, you gave them to me, Jesus. They were completely passive. Yeah, exactly. God is in control of this. That's a, And this is what Jesus is saying. And then he goes on, now they know everything you've given me is from you, from God the Father. For the word, so there it again is the word. Remember, God's creative speech is what we're, he, you know, he speaks and it happens, the verbum real. The words that you gave to me, God, the Father, I have given to them, the people who have heard, they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. So why did he add the two words in mm-hmm. truth? Yeah, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. I actually, That's exactly right. Because okay. it's easy to skip over that. Good yeah. job, Kiri. Um, so bigger picture before we get to the in truth is Jesus is making it clear he is one with God the Father. He is He is God. He is actually the seed, capital S, Zerah that we've talked about before, promised to Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3. So that's that's a lot of what Jesus is claiming in these verses. But you're right now in the uh, in truth. So Jesus says, I've given the words, and they've received them in truth. It's Eletheia in the Greek, and it means truth and certainty. That's, that word also means certainty. And so you think of the way people nowadays hear the word truth, and it's anything but certainty. It's, I have my truth, you have your truth, uh, you know, we're yeah. not going to actually make an assertion. It's essentially an opinion nowadays. Yes. Is what they've, it's been sifted down to. Exactly. It is opinion. And it is uh, not an assertion anymore. It's just a... Um, you don't want to offend people Agree by making a disagree. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And what Jesus is the opposite. What Jesus is saying here is the opposite. He is saying God's word has been received by these people God elected as truth, reality, certainty. And that truth is, and this is Jesus' own words, that they believe that God sent Jesus. So that's the truth. They believe Jesus is that seed who is going to crush the head of the serpent finally from Genesis 3. So, and it is certain. Why? Because God does not lie. That's the certainty of that truth. God does not lie. It is certain. That's pretty wild that you can ask, ask well, why? Why, did, why does it matter that if they believe that God sent Jesus? Why does that matter? It's, well, God wouldn't be, God's name wouldn't be known otherwise. Right. It's all, this is all really tightly held together. Yeah. That's right. Which is also the same reason why it can be hard to slow down and unpack it. Because mm-hmm. it does kind of just kind of like vroom right over. Yeah. I mean, the ninth verse kind of does that for me. I am asking on their behalf. Mm-hmm. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. So he kind of continues to hit yeah. that point. Right. Yeah. Because uh, uh, they are yours. He always goes back to that. From um, like earlier, it was, um, you have given me is from you. Uh, I came from you. Well, they were yours and you gave them to me. Because they are yeah. yours. Yeah. Like everything's <laughs> Even going. as I'm listening to the two of you, my mind is like, <laughs> so, like everything's going back to Christ, to God. Yes. From Christ Jesus. Yes. And now we're going to listen in. And in my opinion, it's this. The second half. So we've kind of set the foundation okay. for what, for me, is kind of the core of this uh, text for this week is going to come now when we hear what it is 
Jesus is actually asking Mm -hmm. from God the Father. Because right now we've just established kind of the foundation. Now we're going to hear what Jesus is asking. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah, he continued. This is the 10th verse. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. Mm -hmm. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that, they, so that they may be one as we are one. And that's almost the first time we hear a really firm, he's pleading to the father for the something. request. Here's yeah, what he's request. asking. Yeah. Exactly. And he's and, literally saying he's leaving. Yeah. Right. But, and he's asking, um, protect them in your name that you have given me. So again, that's that same Greek word uh, that we saw up above, that they've kept your word observed, protected, tereo. So he now it's the same word, Holy Father, tereo, protect them. And not uh, in the way we might think of what would it mean to be protected or guarded. This is not like uh, the secret service with weaponry type guarding or protecting. Jesus is very specific, protect them in your name that you have given me. So they may be one as we are one. So the protection is actually in the name of God the Father. Watch over them, protect us. Now, and by the way, this now is also us. We are those whom God has elected to have his name revealed, mercy. Because that's going to be one of the questions as people are listening to this text. Well, yeah, that's fine. It's the disciples. They're hearing it. Why does that matter to me? What about me? Well, we now, as we hear this same word preached in a sermon or a Bible study, we know we are the ones God has given to Jesus for whom um, we now have had the the name mercy revealed to us. And how do we know that? Kiri, how do you know if you're one of those? Baptism. Yay, baptism. That's exactly right. That concrete moment of receiving the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mercy, forgiveness in Christ. So you know you are now one of those whom God has given to Jesus to to receive his name, mercy. No longer wrath, but mercy. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so he's asking God the Father to keep these people, now us, Mm -hmm. in the name mercy. Keep that name uh, mercy in our ears. That is so confusing. Well, keep going because we're going to okay. We're protect gonna them in your name, there. mercy that you have given me, yep. so that they may be one as we are one. Right, and that means one in faith. Now that we have faith in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's what Jesus is getting at there. And then keep going. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me, mm-hmm. mercy. I guarded them. <laughs> I guarded them and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Right? That's Judas he's talking about there, the one that was destined to be lost. But now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. Right. And this is where it starts to get fun, I think, <laughs> in, in this text. So the word joy, it's not the first time we've run across this word, but this kara, and it actually means the awareness of God's extending his favor to you. That's the kind of the technical meaning of that word kara. So it's not something the disciples can manufacture. It's not something we can manufacture. It's not something 
you can chase after. It's literally what all of this is talking about is Jesus, God, electing you, choosing you to receive his promise. That is when Jesus says, they may have my joy made complete in themselves, my um, making known God is extending his favor to you, his mercy to you, his election of you. That is the joy of Christ that he's now praying that we have made complete. In other words, keep us in faith in knowing God is a God of mercy. He is for us. He is not against us. We don't have to worry or wonder about what God thinks about us. That's what Jesus is getting at in verse 13. Hmm. <laughs> Mason's very perplexed right now. Well, it's just it's just amazing that what he's revealing here is he's speaking to God. I speak these things in the world so they may have my joy made complete in, the, in themselves. Mm-hmm. His mercy, his forgiveness of sin, his death, uh, like on there our behalf, is, yes. is his joy. His he's joy. telling us that he's, that makes him joyful. Right. It is. It is actually God's favor being extended to us, it, it, which is not, I mean, it's contrary to everything we think about uh outside of our relationship with God. This is completely counter to it. That's not a moment of joy. And remember, he knows he's a, Judas has betrayed him. He's about to be crucified. He knows mm-hmm. exactly what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And then we also hear, I think it's a really interesting juxtaposition of verse 13 with Jesus talking about my joy mm-hmm. made complete in them. And then 14 Literally the next verse, I've given them your word, again, the word, Mm -hmm. and the world has hated them. Mm -hmm. The world has hated. So now we've got joy and hate Mm -hmm. bumping up against each other, 13 to 14. And that verse, the world has hated them, even just that phrase, is really critical in this whole text. Um, So you know, I mean, we hear a lot nowadays about uh, post-Christendom world, declining mm-hmm. church right, attendance, right, right. especially your generation and younger. Yep. and Yeah. Very much. Yeah. And people are kind of wringing their hands about, oh my gosh, what's going on? This is, we've, it's never been this bad. All, all of that. Um, what Jesus is talking about here, he's depicting or describing it, is what happened to him. And he's saying, this also is going to happen to his disciples, which mm-hmm. means, by the way, also going to happen to Christians today, mm-hmm. to this day. We're not exempt from this. They will be hated. You will be hated. Mm-hmm. I am hated. <laughs> not popular. And Luther actually was writing on this verse, and he said, even your closest friends, even your closest friends, honorable, saintly people in the eyes of the world will be hostile toward you. They'll slander you. They'll afflict you. They'll attack you. And then he writes, and this I thought was really interesting. Because remember, Luther's writing 500 years ago, roughly. And he wrote on this specific verse, the name of Christ outweighs and exceeds all other wickedness in the world. And there is no greater sin or shame than to be a Christian. The world is not so bitterly hostile to any other vice 
it can make allowances, indulge, and excuse all other evils together. It can accommodate, tolerate, pity, and aid every scoundrel, but the dear earth cannot endure Christians. So I don't know about you all, but for me, the word tolerate, the world can accommodate, tolerate, pity every scoundrel even except Christian. Mm-hmm. Everything except Christian. So why is that the case? Any thoughts? Well, I mean, all, like just using the same verse, I know this Go. may not be where you're going, yeah. but I have given them your word. Yes. It's Jesus acting that causes the world to hate us. Right. Why? Because he forgives our sins. Right. Why he, did, he gave us but a, why do they hate you if your sins are forgiven? Because why, we why are, they just are mad preachers at Jesus? telling them that their sins are forgiven, which means they have sin, which means they're not perfect. And yeah. that's something we don't waver on. Right. You're both right there. That's exactly right. So look at Jesus' very next words. Verse 14, the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world, which is what you're getting at. You're right. Forgiven. Freedom. We are, we are free Christians. And when he's saying um, we don't belong to the world now, and I'm saying we as Christians, that means we call a thing what it is, which is what you're getting at. You call sin, sin. Because you know you cannot leave people condemned in sin, which is what happens if you do not name sin and forgive it in the name of Christ. So that's what Jesus was getting at. That's what Luther was getting at. And that's where we stand today. That when Jesus is saying you do not belong to this world, we are literally God's children. That means as Christians... People freed in Christ, we actually do not yield in matters of faith, in matters which means naming sin and forgiving it in the name of Jesus Christ. So, of course, we're hated. That's the one thing that cannot be tolerated, even according to Luther 500 years ago. We think toleration, you know, all these words now, inclusivity, we think that's a new thing. It is not. It's not. Jesus knew it. Luther know it, and we are living it yet to this day, but it's not new. Because he follows it up by saying, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. Mm -hmm. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Right. Which again, I think that's a huge statement. Uh, Jesus is not saying... He, now, again, he knows the attacks are coming. And by the way, this is also the attack of the devil. So he knows his followers, his children will be attacked. But he doesn't say, remove them from the attack, take them out of the world. He says, protect them from the evil one. Mm-hmm. Protect them. So this ties, uh, obviously, very tightly and closely to verse 14 and what we were just talking about, why the world hates people, Christians, who name sin and forgive it in the name of Christ, who have that freedom, the Christian freedom, to do it and stand firm on that confession, that proclamation of the law and the gospel. And so now we know 
the devil attacks Christians by trying to get us to back down, trying to get us to stop naming sin as, as sin and forgiving it in the name of Jesus Christ. To tempt us, this is the temptation of the devil, to soften on that proclamation because the devil knows better than anyone that if we do not name sin as sin, it cannot be forgiven and he wins. The devil wins. That it's that clean and clear. So when Jesus now is asking for protection from the attack of the devil, the evil one, what he's what he's praying again, he's this is all talking to God the Father. He's praying, he's praying, keep my promise, Christ's promise in our ear, in in his children's ear. So now our ear. That's the way God protects us, that tereo, that guarding, protecting. That's the way we are protected by God from the devil, from the attacks of the devil, is actually to keep Christ's word of promise in our ear, period. That's the protection. So he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they may also, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. Right. And so people will hear sanctification or sanctify, mm-hmm. and they think it means, you know, getting better at the law. But I think this is a great place to look to. We keep hearing uh, Jesus talk about your word, your word, your word. It's the speaking now specifically of the promise, which is what Jesus revealed about God the Father. That's what this whole section is talking about. So now in these last couple of verses, it's really just Jesus is saying the same thing. Sanctify them means make them holy, keep them holy. In other words, keep Christ in our ear. That's how we are sanctified when we have faith in Christ. And again, that's the how God protects us from the attacks of the devil. So you see how tightly it's wound together. Your word is truth. So again, word, truth, Eletheia again, certainty, because God does not lie. And the certainty is when you are pronounced forgiven in the name of Christ, when you hear that absolution, the promise of Christ's forgiveness, so it is. It happens. And that is actually to be sanctified in truth. It is as simple as having faith in Christ alone. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for slowing this text down to understand the incredible promise Jesus is saying in his prayer to God. God's word is truth. Truth means certainty because God does not lie. Jesus has made God's name known. What is God's name? Mercy. It is his joy to be merciful to his chosen. It is his joy to forgive our sins. In Luther House of Studies podcast, Sing to the Lord, Lars Olson and I break down a hymn's history, lyrical meaning, and the way it preaches the gospel with Zachary Brockhoff. Click on this episode's show notes for a link to Sing to the Lord's podcast feed to catch up on all of the excellent hymns we've discussed. Thanks again for joining us this week. We know God's name of mercy. 
We'll see you next time on Scripture First.